Hi, this is Seattle Mama Doc. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. I'm here with Dr. Marcus Bose. Hello. Hi. We're here to talk to you about eczema. Uh, we all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenting, and often, especially when it comes to the skin, we may not feel good enough. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Dr. Bose is a pediatric dermatologist at Seattle Children's. He's been with us at Seattle for, in Seattle for three years. He is. Um, Born and raised in the Midwest, got smarty pants degrees. He has his MD and his PhD, overachiever. Doctor, we could call you Doctor Doctor. Doctor Doctor. Thank you. But Marcus is fine. Um, but <laughs> one of the things that's so wonderful is that I about him is that he's here. He's extremely passionate about advocacy and being present for patients and families, and I think understands the complexity and discomfort we have when our skin, the largest organ in our body, um, doesn't work well, doesn't look well, or doesn't feel good. And then when it comes to eczema, that's one of the cases. Um, Doctor Bose is unique, and in some ways, um, you know, he he presents himself as a gay dad um, to a set of twins, and kind of comes about advocacy from all sorts of um, humanistic, empathetic, and compassionate places. So I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Um, eczema is, so runs my, my family, about like what, one in five infants at some point will have eczema on their skin or what's called atopic dermatitis. Um, and it's one of these funny things that we always, in pediatrics, we always, you know, I was trained like long ago to just call it, it's kind of the itch that rashes. Yeah, totally. What does that, what does that mean? So the itch is the actual hallmark of uh, atopic dermatitis. And there is now diagnostic criteria for it. And if there's no itch, it's not going to be eczema. Um, but that's exactly what we still refer to it um, in, in dermatology that's as well. If it's no itch, it's not eczema. Exactly. So, I so I, like I will that. say this. So, the the word eczema we we typically use it as a synonym for atopic dermatitis, which yeah. is the actual clinical diagnosis. Right. Um, and lots of people just say, hey, it's kind of like red and scaly and itchy, so we'll call it eczema. So it is a little bit more of like a basket um, uh -huh, diagnosis. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, but, it, you know, I think for the purpose of this podcast, when we say eczema, we mean atopic dermatitis. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yes, when it comes to that, um, itch needs to be, it's the cardinal sign. Yeah. So. Can you be born with eczema? Um. That's a good question. You know, oftentimes when I talk with my family, I said like, I was like, when do think, when did this start? Sure, and they're like, right, right. from the minute that, that she was born, I think it usually takes a few days. But you know, yeah. yes, effectively within the first like week or two of life, yeah, there's lots of babies that that will present um, and, with and, findings. Yeah, but babies pop out. I mean, honest to goodness, like they're not, they're born and their skin usually, unless they've got an underlying significant or severe congenital problem, mm -hmm. their skin is intact. Yeah. Um, and then the kind of what we call the atopic march or um, the process by which the skin could get itchy and break down occurs. What happens to the skin when you have eczema or atopic derm? Yeah. So with, with eczema and atopic dermatitis, so there's... The genetics behind it is that there's lots of things that can be wrong, yeah. so to speak. But one of the most common causes, when you look at it from a genetic standpoint, is a change in this gene called filaggrin. And filaggrin is an important part of the top layer of our skin called the epidermis. And it really is not, it's part of the, the seal that keeps our internal moisture in and prevents allergens and irritants that come in contact with the skin from penetrating deeper and causing that rash. Right. So when I talk to my families about this, I'd like to kind of make the analogy of a dilapidated brick wall. So if you think of the epidermis as this brick wall that's there to protect the rest of your body from the outside world, the mortar is not totally normal because that filaggrin is not there. And what uh -huh. that means then is that the water can escape so their skin gets really dry and then allergens can come in and penetrate and causing that inflammation that they deal with and what they see when they're seeing this redness and the dryness and the skin and the itch and all those things that go along with it. Um, and, and, you know, I use Which that. It just makes it worse, right? Totally, yes. So it's that yes. vicious cycle. That exactly. Goes. So you itch and you scratch and then that yeah. gets more itch and it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so it's really important that we try and break that when we're treating um, eczema. Mm -hmm. so, in, so just to talk about kind of through age. So you can have eczema your whole life. Yeah. Right? Tends to get better as you get older. 
So it depends. So in general, when we see it in kind of infancy or the toddler years, it yeah. does often patients will kind of quote unquote grow out of it. Yeah. Um, that usually happens around maybe five, six years of age. Um, there are some people who are just more persistent. There are other people who develop it more as um, as adults. And in those instances, it's usually like a face and a hand eczema. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks a little bit different. But yes, I would say the majority of my patients that I see do get better with time. Um, and a lot of the two is just a uh, adopting those skincare practices that are helpful to buff up the the skin itself and make it resistant to those changes. Okay, so if a family has, uh, we talk babies and we talk older kids, but you know, by the time you're an older kid, you kind of know your kids often had it for a long time. You don't mm-hmm. typically develop eczema when you're ten, right? For the first not time. often, yeah, not often. So yep. usually this will start in infancy for yep. children. Okay, so mom and dad looks and starts to notice a rash. Where are they going to find the eczema? Yeah, so it depends on the age. So when we talk about infantile eczema, mm-hmm. it's usually on the cheeks, mm-hmm. and so um, we call the the facial appearance is these bright red, scaly, sometimes weepy and itchy cheeks. The thing that's kind of the hallmark there too, just to distinguish it from other red rashy things on the face, is that they'll have what we call the headlight sign. Mm -hmm. So when you think about our face, the nose around the mouth, it has a high density of oil glands. And so it's more resistant to the effects of eczema because that skin is more hydrated. You know, we talk about eczema as a flexural dermatitis, but in infancy, it's often on the extensor, so the outside of the arms and legs. And we think that that's a function of the fact that that's how babies are interacting with the world. They crawl everywhere. So that friction that they have Mm -hmm. really induce it on the outside of the arms and legs. And as they get older, then it kind of um, reverts to the the classic flexural dermatitis. So it's in the crooks of the elbows, behind the knees, um, the front of the neck, and then the um, wrists and uh, ankles. Okay, I have two exceptions I want to talk about. Uh Well, one one, with babies, like I love how you say it's kind of how a baby experiences the world. So it gets, they're basically itching and scratching their elbows and their knees when they're crawling and things. But it's also like the back of their head. Those are the little babies that get eczema that I always think like they spend their whole night. We tell them, put your baby on your back, which you should. Don't don't not take that. And then the babies will scratch and scratch and scratch their head by just rubbing back and back and back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So there's sort of two things to think about with that. So the first is that seborrheic dermatitis, which yeah. is just our fancy word for dandruff. There's often a significant <laughs> overlap um, with atopic dermatitis in infancy. Yeah. So kids will have that kind of like red, the scaly, the itchiness across their scalp as well. Yeah. If it's just one focal area on the back of the, the scalp, it's yep. also important to remember um, a potential allergic contact dermatitis called car seat dermatitis that can mimic eczema. So, Look at you. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fancy little pearl for you. So, so this know. is the deal yeah. with car seat dermatitis. Yeah. So, um, there there are some very. Um entrepreneurial and innovative derma- uh-huh. pediatric dermatologists who have tried to figure out like what is it that kids are allergic to yeah. um, that are in these car seats. So it's actually the lining of the car seat, sure. you know, which is some sort of like polyester blend. I don't really know. I'm, I'm not that smart to know. Um, but they uh-huh. haven't figured it out and they can't get the car seat companies to divulge what the ingredients are to, to test them. But what it is is that these kids, um, their, their skin comes in contact with it. And when you yeah. think about how a child is positioned in a car seat, yeah. it's the outside of their arms, the outside of their legs, and the back of the head that's actually touching the, right. the right. skin. Thing because they usually are clothed, um, right. you know, in the middle. And so when you see a dermatitis like that, that could be part of it as well. So if you notice that kind of like just one small focal area on yeah. the back of the scalp, um, that should at least come to mind also. So I did. I that is news to this pediatrician. Thank you. <laughs> well, you could, and you you know, you never you're supposed to put anything in your car seat, but you could probably put like a little um, diaper cloth or something behind the head. Exactly. And see if it goes away. Right? Yeah, or just like to... a really sort of just like a cotton liner. Yeah. Um, just anything that covers that that plastic um, yeah, coating. Yeah, yeah. You know, as long as of course the buckles and everything are still um, adjusted appropriately. Yeah. So um, from a standpoint in infancy, you know, one of the things I bring up because one of the other hats I wear, I work in food allergy prevention, and knowing and understanding that eczema is 
complicated in the sense that it can be as a cause of exposure to things that are irritating to your child. Then it gets itchy. Then you scratch it, et cetera. It's also a portal, actually, for the development, maybe, of sensitization. Absolutely. That too. So that keeping the skin barrier really intact in infancy is important right? yeah. as a child's growing and developing. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. So there's actually studies. So I'm going to put on my immunologist hat for a sec and geek out Do with it. you guys. But there's this concept called oral tolerance, right? So things that we ingest, our body does not respond to. And that's important because we don't want to be throwing up food that we need. Um, so our body in general, when we experience something for the first time from an oral route, mm-hmm. we don't develop an allergy to it. Take that in response. The gut is a tolerating place. The gut is a tolerating place. Yeah. And then in contrast, that is the skin, right? Our skin is there. It's a barrier. And what's it a barrier to? It's a barrier to bacteria. It's a, a barrier to fungus. It's a barrier to viruses. All these things that we want to protect our body from. So when our skin or our body experiences an allergen for the first time through our skin, then yeah, it's going to develop uh, an immune response that, you know, is maladaptive because we don't need to fight off peanuts. Um, But if that's the first place that a a child comes in contact with it through their skin, that's a problem. So um, so it's important to kind of make that distinction. The the other thing that's really important is um, they have actually done some studies now looking at families whose they had an older child who had eczema and then um, or there was a family predisposition to it. And they said, if you moisturize your newborn baby for the first six months of life and it could have been a cream, an oil, a petrolatum, so Vaseline, like an ointment, they found that those children who are moisturized regularly had decreased rates of of eczema over time. And I think it's so important and just speaks to the fact that what we really want to do is protect our kids' skin so that they're not accidentally coming into contact with these things that may predisposed to, to eczema. Right. And I think, so, you know, I think I can, I think this has turned, the tide has changed. So just in my being out in the world as a practicing pediatrician now, 12, 13 years, in the beginning, it was like, less is more, less is more. You don't need anything for your baby. You know, use a tiny bit of soap, which is true. We don't want to dry and over dry the skin. And you don't need a lot of ointments and things. And yet I, I, I'm turning the tide on that to say, you want that baby skin to be as soft and intact as possible because their immune system is developing during that mm-hmm. time. Their whole body is learning the world around them. And that includes even the microbiome. Own, right, and so you want to keep all those good things on the skin, yeah. but keep that skin intact as well. Yeah. So let's talk. A, let's talk a little bit. So the mainstay for preventing and even caring for eczema is what? Moisturizing. Yeah. Say it again. Moisturizing. Yeah. Moisturizing. So, moisturizing. And, moisturizing. And, and, and well, how do, when a family like is out in the world, so one thing that you know we think about again, we're saying here that the skin is a sensitizing place. You don't want your baby to be exposed to things in the environment so much through their skin, like foods and/or other irritants. You want them, you know, the microbiome, all these bacteria live on their skin. We know even how you're born really even changes how that even those colonies mm-hmm. begin. But when a family is changing a prevented, like cho- excuse me, not changing, but choosing a preventative moisturizer, so they bathe their baby every other day let's say. They then want to cover them after they pat them dry with a moisturizer. What are they looking for? Yeah, so really the the thicker the better. So when we talk about uh, emollients or moisturizers broadly, there's sort of three main categories, which is lotions, creams, and ointments. So lotion is something you can pump out of a bottle. It spreads really easily. Yeah. Cream is kind of like a white cream that's a little thicker. You often scoop it out of a tub or you have to squeeze really hard out of a tube. Yeah. And then ointment, like kind of the classic is Vaseline. Yeah. So, you know, in general, what I tell my families is Try to go for the thickest possible. So the ointment is what you want, um, and you know I they're think they're harder to put on, though, right? And I think that's why people are resistant. Exactly. To them in some ways. So, so that's the issue, right? So people like lotions, yeah. um, and they're like, oh, it's so easy to put on. You, it's yep. easy to get out of the the tube. Yep. The the issue with lotions is oftentimes, you know, my families will say, you know, like I, I put it on my baby girl, and her skin just drinks it up. Well, it's mostly made of water, water, you know, <laughs> yeah, and so right, some right. of it is penetrating into the skin, yeah. but a lot of it is evaporating as well. Yeah. And you contrast that to something like Vaseline, and to your point, right? Like it's tacky, it's thick. We feel greasy afterwards. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and that's actually awesome for your skin if you're trying to, you know, treat or prevent eczema. That being said, I do think it's important for us to to realize that, you know, like you might not want a greasy child or if you have an older child <laughs> and they're going off to school, right? Like slippery baby. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. And an older child, right? Like they don't mm-hmm. want to look like they're all greased up and yep. you know, and then it gets on the clothes and it yeah. can stain the clothes. So yeah. I think the nice compromise for families who um, you know, want to do a little bit better than lotion but are a little reluctant to, yeah. to do um, Vaseline or an ointment yeah. is a nice thick cream because those okay. will rub in. It takes a little bit more. And so again, like, just a reminder, those are the ones in the tub. So a lot of these brands will mm-hmm. have one brand that's in a pump where it's a lotion and one brand that's in a tub. So just choose the tub. Exactly. If you come to you know your favorite, you know there are a number on the market. I mean, it's so hard because we always have to stay away from brands. But there's something like you know CeraVe or there's Eucerin or there's um, Cetaphil. Or, there are a number of those different products that you guys – and they come in all the different forms. So just yeah. whenever – you are deciding to choose and you like, choose the one that's in the tub from exactly. that standpoint, from a prevention and a treatment standpoint of treating and moisturizing even through eczema. Yeah. And there's really no difference among these products. You know, sometimes people are fooled that they think, oh, well, if it's, you know, there's this fancy new ingredient and yeah. it costs $20 more, it must be right. better. It's all the same. And honestly, it's really a matter of patient preference because even these cream formulations, everyone is a, a little bit different yeah. and you'll find the one that you like best. So kind yeah. of, you know, if you don't like the first one that you choose, then maybe try another one and see what, what works for you. What ingredients should parents stay away from? So, you know, in general, the things that, that we worry about as dermatologists are other things that are in the moisturizer that can lead to things like allergic contact dermatitis, where a child becomes sort allergic of, yeah, they sensitized. get the rash from it. So, yeah. so one of the common things that's often in um, like some products is lanolin. So that's a wool alcohol that kids can become allergic to. And it's not common, but it's just something yeah. to, to think of if you're applying, you know, a moisturizer every day, you're just like, why is it getting worse even, mm-hmm. um, that it might be something in there. Yep. And then, you know, these days we like to buy products that have like calendula and lavender and all these <laughs> essential oils. Calendula? I don't even know what that is. Oh. Do you know what that is? No, like, <laughs> that's a hot new thing. That's a hot new thing at Bath oh. and Body Works, I think. Oh, okay. So, um, but but the the key um, with that is just to remember too that, you know, it feels good to us. We're like, oh, it's this like Smells natural good. plant, you know, uh-huh. but the fragrances and these extra additives can be irritating to the skin too. Right. Um, and, and sensitizing. Perhaps, exactly. Right? Yeah. And so those are just things to, to keep in mind that even though it's sort of like plant-based and all natural and whatnot, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's better for your child's skin. In some cases can actually lead to worsening of their skin. Right. And I think you want to avoid food additives. Again, since we're trying to protect kids from getting exposed to different things like foods through their skin, you don't want to have something with cocoa or nuts in it or coconut or a lot of those kind of have this health halo of feeling and sounding natural because it came from a plant or a fruit or a seed or a nut. But on some level, these manufactured synthetic solutions might be better and safer. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so, you know, and parents often ask, you know, like, can we use, you know, like olive oil or avocado Mm -hmm. oil or or coconut oil? Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, it's not like there's widespread reports in the literature that these are causing problems, but I, I caution them. It's like, you know, this is a possibility, and you might actually be setting your child up for, you know, an allergic contact dermatitis later. And so I think yeah. it's really important to, to get that point across well. As and well. there is some literature that actually shows that you might increase the likelihood of a food, food allergy, allergy development, right, because mm-hmm. you're sensitizing through the skin that way. Okay. So I want to talk, though, one, you know, we both talked before we started recording about how parents are kind of pride themselves on using the least amount of topical steroids. Yes. And it's not something that we think parents need to have a badge of honor about in that when you're caring for a child with atopic derm or eczema through a lifetime, so through infancy and even through older years, what do families need to know when a pediatrician suggests either over-the-counter hydrocortisone or using a prescription steroid? How does a family use it? When do they use it? When do they stop using it? What are the side effects? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So I think, you know, steroid phobia is something that um, that I see in my practice a lot. And I think the first thing to remember is that topical steroids are different from oral steroids. So we, we've all had a family member who needed 
treated oral steroids, and there there are significant side effects yeah. from that. Those side effects are pretty rare. Um, we don't use them in eczema. It, well, oral steroids, yes. Right, so exactly. I mean. So what we we're talking about? We don't use them in asthma. <laughs> we don't use them in eczema. Yes. I, mean, I just want to remind families: when you're given a steroid for eczema, you are not given something that's going to cause a systemic effect. Typically, exactly. So, yeah. and and that's the exact point. So, you know, absorption from a topical means to the point that it can get to the like systemic side effects yeah. is rare and yeah. only when the, the topical steroid is misused. Yeah. And I think it's also important to remember that steroids are not just like one monolithic entity, yeah. that there's different classes and different right. strengths. And right. so if you see your pediatrician, if you see a dermatologist, they're going to be formulating the appropriate strength that they think will take care of the problem, but not put your child at risk for side effects. So the topical side effects are skin thinning, skin discoloration, stretch marks, and that's especially relevant for older kids who mm. have eczema um, because you might get stretch marks. You know, a developing young man is going to have stretch marks across his chest and back. Young women might have it around their um, thighs and hips just because yep. of the natural growing process, and so we don't want to do anything that's going to make that worse. But in general, my... Um, my sort of spiel with my patients is you can use it twice a day to the affected areas, right? So it does need to go on uninvolved skin. For Good reminder of that, right? Okay. You're using moisturizer every single square inch of your baby or your child's body to moisturize and prevent. You're only using steroid in the patches where the skin is really itchy, broken down, red, scaly, flaky. You got it. And yeah. so, and that can be done safely for up to two weeks at a time yep. without any problems. And yep. then the question is, well, what do you? What happens after that? Yeah. Ideally, the rash will be gone. And then you take at least a two-week break. So if you use it for a week, take a week off. If you use yep. it for two weeks, take two weeks off okay. and try and give your skin a little bit of a break. To just kind of rebound and maintain its integrity? I mean, yeah. is that what the skin does Yeah, then? so exactly. So we don't want to keep on putting it on. You know, I, I've had well-meaning families who are like, oh, my gosh, it works so well. We just kind of put it on to make sure Every, it didn't come oh, back. Ever. And yeah. then that's when you're developing. You know, when you're putting steroids on for months and months at a time, yeah, that's when you get those side effects. The and thing. a lot of them, yeah, yeah. Are, are not completely reversible. So it's just really important to be aware of that. Yep. That being said, you know, again, I want to move away from the 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 concerns of, oh my gosh, topical steroids are so scary and we really need to like be cautious and you know, if it gets a little bit after a day, then we should stop. So the analogy that I use for my families in clinic is if you have a fire burning in your kitchen, you run and you get the fire extinguisher, okay? That's so eczema <laughs> means to bubble over in Greek. There's a fire in your skin, okay? It does? It does. Is that so cool? In Greek? Yeah. Uh. So and what we're using as our fire extinguisher is the topical steroid, right? So if you have a fire in your kitchen and you get your um your fire extinguisher, yeah. you're not just like and then like, okay, it went down a little bit. I'm going to stop. You put it out. <laughs> and that's so important that you do that with eczema too. Because if it gets a little bit better, that yeah. underlying inflammation is still there and it's going to flare as soon as you stop. What you want to do is put it out. And yeah. then the whole sort of like process by which it flares again has to start. And that usually is, like, takes a long time for that to happen. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, so I often will say to people, it's not the amount of steroid that you put on. You don't need a thick layer. This is not like, this is not like diaper cream. Yes. It's, you need a thin layer. Thin. You just need to use it as instructed twice a day for a period of time until the skin reverses and calms down. Yes. And I think the other important two things. Important part uh, point to make is that if you're also moisturizing, the steroid needs to go on before the moisturizer because otherwise the steroid can't get through the moisturizer to get to the skin. Public service announcement. I have to repeat this, right? You are going to slather your entire child with moisturizer only, but before you do that, you put the steroid in a thin layer on those patches where they're really effective. Yes. So, and I think the other thing that comes People get up. I'm confused about that though. I yeah, really, totally. I kind of think of slathering your whole baby and then putting the steroid on. Well, then it's not even going to get in great contact with the skin because theoretically, you put something on that's thick enough that it, there's almost a tiny barrier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I think the other thing too is that parents often get confused and, you know, like, when do we stop? And it can be hard to tell because yeah. when there's inflammation in the skin, when it 
subsides, there's often either what we call post-inflammatory erythema, so it's just kind of mm-hmm. patch of redness, or post-inflammatory yep. hyperpigmentation, which is a patch of darkness. Darkness. And the question uh-huh. is, like, do we treat or not? So, so my advice for that is, if you close your eyes and you feel over that area and you can't feel anything, you are done. Oh, I love that. If it is flaky, uh-huh. if it's raised, if your child is actively scratching at it, yeah, there's probably some inflammation there, yep. and so you should go ahead and treat that. But, yep. um, but the key is to to stop when it's really gone. Yeah, the active. And and one other thing. So okay, we have prevention strategies and treatment, which includes moisturizers. We use topical steroids with these outbreaks and patches. That way, we use anti-itch medicines too, right? Yeah. So particularly in babies, we do because they'll scratch all through the night without knowing it and we can't stop it and we put mittens on them we do all these kind of crazy things Um, in older kids we sometimes use anti-age medicines at night as well to kind of calm it down because again the process of scratching it makes it worse makes it worse yeah and the the, you know when we're talking about anti-age medicines people often use antihistamines and I think it's also important to point out that the antihistamine does not actually affect the the itch of eczema because it's it's um, mediated by a different process that's not histamine related. What it does is it does promote sort of more restful sleep and just gives the child a break from scratching themselves raw in the middle of the night. And hopefully that starts to break the itch scratch cycle. Um, but I think it's also important. Kind of knocks you out. I mean, a little honest, bit. Yeah. Right? To I mean, be we're honest, just kind of making kids really drowsy so they don't scratch. Yes. Right? They're not as alert to scratch. Exactly. And, and you know, I think it's really important to, to point out too that this is not like a long term strategy. Yes, so this is not you know like dad's little helper to to get the child to sleep every every night. But if you need it for a short time, and again, I would only do this under the um guidance of a, the guidance of yeah, a doctor yeah. and not just be like, there oh, let's go and get the Benadryl. Med. Yeah, a lot know? of kids, yeah, people will ask, you know, reach for Benadryl or diphenhydramine and um, it's not necessarily the right way. Yeah. But in an, a big outbreak when you are really trying to get itching under control, sometimes we'll use it and some prescription medicines at sleep time, right? Which yeah. are antihistamines as well. Exactly. Typically. And yeah. typically, you know, for me in my practice, I only recommend them at night because at you night. don't want a child walking through the day drowsy and it's not going to help it's anyway. Help. So yeah. They're still going to, yeah. they're awake. They're yeah. going to scratch. They're on a bus. They're in school. They're bored. Yes. And the key to getting rid of the scratch is getting rid of the rash. And that's where the topical steroids are important. There you are. Okay. Last thing I want to talk about quickly is staph and strep super infection mm-hmm. and or. So I want to talk about bleach baths and antibiotics. So yeah. talk, talk to us. When do we want to use a bleach bath and or not? And when do we want to use an antibiotic? Yeah. So bleach baths you can use for like any child who has atopic dermatitis. But I think it's especially important for, for ones who are either really widespread or okay. are prone to infections. And so there's two points to doing the bleach baths. The one is it does kill the bacteria on our skin. So it reduces the bacterial load. And again, I think it's important for us to recognize that bacteria are normal parts of our skin. Yep. Um, but sometimes we like them. That we whole like good them. microbiome thing, but they can cause problems. We get little cracks in your skin from it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so, so that helps kind of reduce the load of the bad bacteria. So things like staph. The yeah. other thing is that we now have evidence that the the sodium hypochlorite, which is part of the the bleach, actually turns down the inflammatory modulators that cause eczema. So it can be helpful. It's a short amount of time. It lasts about mm-hmm. sixteen to eighteen hours, but it actually has a direct positive effect on the so eczema. It's a, bleach is an anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. agent as well as a sterilizing. Yeah. Agent. And I think the other thing to point out about bleach baths is that you know when we bring this up, parents are like, "You want me to put bleach in my child?" No, no, no. So that's not what we're not recommending. We're going to talk about how to do it too. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. hold on. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that is not. You know, it's a dilute bleach bath. It's should I should I tell you how to do please, it? Please okay. formula. So please. it's basically it's half a cup of bleach in a full tub of water, um, and, and that's the ratio that you use. And so what I tell my family is that as the as you're filling up the tub, dump the bleach in. It's mm-hmm. going to naturally just kind of you know kind dissipate throughout, so you know. and yeah. then the child sits in it for about ten minutes. You get out, you rinse the child off because that bleach can be irritating if it's mm-hmm. sitting on the skin mm-hmm. um, for you know overnight or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then you go about with your steroids or your emollient, yep. and you go and off to bed. Yep. And how often can a family use a bleach bath? They can do it every night if they wanted to. Uh-huh. Yep. And, and so then and when do you know? I mean, sometimes I've had to take um, children who have kind of very widespread atopic dermatitis and eczema, and outbreaks are everywhere, and it's 
bright red everywhere. I'll treat them with an antimicrobial to treat for strep, and it will, like, overnight, the fire goes away. Yeah, right? totally. So how do we know that? And how does a family know to ask for that if their pediatrician maybe hasn't even suggested it? Yeah. So for as far as like oral antibiotics, yeah. you know, st- strep and staph infections are some of the most common causes of eczema flares. So what you want to look for is are there areas where it's kind of like oozy, crusty, yellow, weepings? There's often a, like a stench that goes along with it too. So mm-hmm. if the eczema starts to smell all of a sudden, mm-hmm. that's an indication that there's probably an infection. And like you said, you know, treating that is actually really important to getting the eczema under control too, because our immune system is stimulated to fight off that infection, but that kind of revs up everything and makes the eczema worse. Yep. So, but, um, but I do think that, you know, doing that, it's important to see a physician mm-hmm. and often to culture the area too, just to make sure that we know number one, what we're dealing with and what the medication, the correct medication to use for it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes I think that, you know, there's this tendency to just be like, oh, well, we'll just give them some antibiotics because it's probably infected. But oftentimes it's not. And it can be hard to tell because sometimes eczema is so weepy yeah. that it looks like an infection, yeah. but it's not actually infected. Yeah. And I think that it's imprecise sometimes. You can yeah. even do a culture in clinic that can sometimes help guide you, but it's it's a complicated process. But I just wanted to bring that up. Yep. Okay. Have we covered what we do with eczema? I think so. Should we review it? Yeah. Okay. First and foremost, you have a baby. They start to develop eczema, maybe in the first month of life, maybe later. What's the number one and two things that we do to prevent it and maintain it? Moisturize, moisturize, moisturize. Okay. And then we use a topical steroid as prescribed and sometimes an over-the-counter up to about seven to 10 days at mm-hmm. a time. First on the baby or on the skin, and then you put the moisturizers over it. Yep. Usually about two times a day as well. Yep. Can you over moisturize a baby? Not really. Okay, that's good. So slippery baby's okay. Slippery baby's okay as long as you don't drop them. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you don't drop them, greasy baby's fine. And in some ways, then the skin repairs itself and repairs that barrier over time. Um, As children grow, many kids can quote unquote grow out of atopic dermatitis or eczema. Sometimes it can be a sign of an allergy or an exposure to something. Sometimes it can, you know, eczema you want to take care of because it can prevent the development of food allergies, particularly infancy. We know that. Um, Sometimes we can use bleach baths. Can you over bathe a baby? Like, how often should someone bathe yeah. a baby so they're not increasing sweat glands or increasing those um, sebaceous glands or whatever from yeah. producing oils? So this is actually a super controversial question in pediatric dermatologists. And if you ask a, a hundred dermatologists, they'll give you a hundred different answers. So the bottom line is this. In general, I say... Try and do it as little as possible. I usually recommend Baiting your baby. Mm-hmm. I usually just say once or twice a week. Obviously, if the baby's completely soiled, I don't or, look at, you just shrugged. And my mother once came and had an intervention with me and bathed my second son because she's like, "It's been too long." I was like, "But his skin is gorgeous. <laughs> like, don't put him in the bath." But so you can reduce the side effects of bathing though by using less soap, right? Um, yeah, or using moisturizing soap. So okay. the ones that kind of have like sodium lauryl sulfate, like strip the skin yeah, of they all strip the, oil. the skin of all the important oils. So again, so a moisturizing one. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too is that there are some families who are like, you know, bathing is a really important part of our like nighttime ritual. It helps yeah, get baby to yeah, sleep. Yeah. Totally awesome. You should and do we it. We love to bathe their babies. Yes. They're so sweet. Um, they but, don't cry. But what you bather. need to do is immediately after, so even if the baby like should be a little bit damp, yeah. moisturize them. So if you want to... Every single time you do Every a single time you do a bath. And that, that will lock in anything there. So, you know, there's yeah. no right answer to it. And it really depends on the family and sort of what their goals and their needs are. Yeah. Um, but... In general, I like less is more. So Yeah, less is more. I mean, I think we can proselytize less is more. But at the same time, if you're going to bathe your baby, because you're going to at some point, because you're going to like it and they're going to start to stink a little bit because they have a blowout or whatever. But then moisturizing every single time afterward. If your child has atopic dermatitis, talking with a pediatrician or your family doc or nurse practitioner or your friendly pediatric dermatologist um, about using steroids for up to two weeks at a time and then taking holidays away from it so the skin can kind of maintain its integrity. Exactly. Using bleach baths to take care of some of the both – the 
benefit from the anti-inflammatory effect of having a half a cup of bleach, quarter to half a cup of bleach in a whole tub of water um, and then getting out of it and rinsing your kid off so they're not sleeping in bleach. So remember that. Also, you don't want bleach in the sheets and the whole bed or whatever, yeah. And then lastly, very rarely sometimes, we'll treat for super infections with staph or strep on the skin with antibiotics. Yes. Yeah. Eczema typically will get better as you age because your immune system kind of calms down, right? Is that yeah. part of it? And we think that, too, there are probably some comp- compensatory mechanisms of your skin as far as the barrier, yeah. too. So, so eczema is really common. It often presents in childhood in in um, you know in those infant years, and it's something that can really be well-controlled. I mean, whenever we're dictating notes, we talk about kind of well-controlled or not-controlled asthma. We talk about well-controlled, not-controlled eczema. So this is something that parents can get a hand on. Avoiding ingredients that might be sensitizing is another. And then your big takeaway, too, is that when you're using something to put on the skin to moisturize after a bath or routinely twice a day every day, particularly like in winter months and on those babies with the eczema on the cheeks and things, you're reaching for something that's not in a pump, something that's in a tub as sticky and tacky as you can get without added fragrances and, quote, natural ingredients. Yes. Phew. Um, <laughs> you got it, girl. <laughs> you got it. You're the one who's helping me. Um, so we'll put this up online, and you can look for images and ideas about different products and ingredients you can reach for, knowing that keeping that baby slippery and keeping that skin intact is a really important of preventing other health challenges in their life and keeping their skin and that beautiful largest organ barrier out to the world. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It was great. The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 